gone past it at least three times. There's no sign on the road, apparently, just a track on the left that leads into a wood. She pulled her red, fake fur jacket more tightly around her shoulders. It's so cold out here. I thought New Yorkers were used to hard winters, said Danny. We drove on out of the village. Living in London, I'd forgotten how dark it got in the country. Hedges flashed past, illuminated only by our headlights and falling back into blackness behind us. We saw several pairs of small eyes in the undergrowth. After we'd gone about a mile, I slowed down and started to look for the driveway. We were coming into a wood. Huge trees made a skeletal tunnel over the road, their bare branches tangled and swaying eerily. I pulled slowly along the verge for a couple of minutes. There, said Martha, that must be it. I turned and we started up an unmade track. I'd expected to be able to see the house from the foot of the drive and squinted forward looking for light, but there was nothing. Just an intricate mesh of leafless branches opening up in front of us and pulling tight as a net behind us as soon as we passed. I thought of those fairy tale woods where the trees sprout at supernatural speeds to ensnare those foolish enough to enter, but there were no signs of new growth here. Everything around us was dead or dormant in the widow's weeds of winter. We fell silent, as if the looming and falling away of the branches was weaving an enchantment around us. The car made heavy work of the road. We bumped and lurched over potholes for the best part of another mile before we veered left and found ourselves on a circular gravel drive. I stopped the engine. There, in front of us, was the house. Stonebrough Manor, the Cotswold Stone Pile, it really was the only word, recently inherited by Lucas, my best friend. Three stories high, it reared out of the night as if it were facing down the darkness. There were seven windows on the first and second floors, all blankly reflecting the tiny silver of moon. But light spilled out of every one on the ground floor onto the two small lawns in front of the house. An avenue of yews lined the long path to the door, which was sheltered by a portico on two smooth round columns. I felt a pang of anxiety. Lucas had described it to me pretty well, but even so, the reality of it shocked me. How could it not change things between us? We unloaded our bags from the boot and I locked the car, although who would break into it so far from civilization was anyone's guess. I held Danny's arm as we made our way up the path. The flagstones were slippery with frost, and the heels I'd just changed into didn't offer much in the way of grip. Martha rang the bell and we heard the echo of it reaching back into the house like a Chinese whisper. For a minute or two there was nothing, and then the shape of a body appeared behind the stained glass panels in the window. Suddenly there he was, lit from behind and grinning. I saw immediately that he'd lost weight. Lucas, it's incredible, I said, stepping forward. He put his arms around me and held me tightly. The collar of his dinner jacket was rough on my cheek. Hello, he said, next to my ear. He let me go and embrace Martha, then clapped Danny on the arm. Mate, come in. Did you find it all right? Not without some effort, said Danny. Fuck, it's fantastic. You kept this a secret. Why haven't I been here before? Well, it was Patrick's. He did his entertaining in London. It was quite private here. It was sort of family place. We left our bags by the door. We were standing in a central hall lit only by two large table lamps on a wooden chest. Their light pooled onto a black and white checkered floor. 
Around the edges of the room were a number of marble busts on pedestals. One of them I saw was wearing our college tie. Above us, the upper floors of the house spiralled away like the inside of a snail shell, getting darker and darker as they receded upwards. Our voices echoed coldly off the walls, rising away from us until they were swallowed by the body of the place. There was a strong scent of old-fashioned furniture polish. We'll have the champagne now everyone's here. Lucas opened a door into an enormous drawing room. There was an immediate rise in the air temperature. The room was dominated by a white marble fireplace, carved with an oak leaf and acorn design, and in the grate a fire was burning, sending up flames a foot high. Brocade curtains hung from ceiling to floor at the three windows, their sun-faded rubies and greens complementing the ivy-patterned border of the artfully threadbare carpet. Here, too, the light came only from lamps dotted around on low tables and from a pair of thick church candles on the mantelpiece.